Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 123. 123. My Whoa. name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, now, last week, we were praising the film Coherence, which is currently playing in theaters, and today, I'll be speaking with the film's director, James Ward Burkett. We'll also be getting into two feature reviews this week. First, we'll be talking about David Wayne's They Came Together, then we'll be discussing Joe Swanberg's Happy Christmas, and finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First up, let's have a conversation with James Ward Burkett about his film Coherence, which is currently playing in select cities. James, thanks so much for taking some time to talk with us. Um, So previously, you wrote the film Rango, which I'm a huge fan of, by the way. But Coherence is certainly a departure from something like that. So my first question is, how did you come to this project? Well, uh, coming off of Rango, which I loved, I was sort of craving the uh, the opposite experience. Instead of taking years and years and years to literally adjust every pixel on the screen, I was just dying to get back into a room with actors and uh, a story and, and holding a camera. So I really wanted to do something so stripped down and so immediate. And so, uh, you know, pure, I guess, is, is the way it felt to me at the moment. And what made you decide to make a film that was kind of centered around uh, the, Sh- the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's centered around that, but it's, it was really a film centered around my living room because that <laughs> was the budget that I had. I had uh, a living room and some, some talented friends. And so that led to this, uh, this whole really thrilling experiment of, of saying, how, how do we do something huge that is actually really small? And my friend Alex Manugian and I, who Alex actually plays a mirror in the film, mm-hmm. by the way, but he and I had been sort of pounding at micro-budget ideas for a long time, trying to figure out the, the, the right one that got us excited about it. And we have seen a lot of these movies where you know, you start improvising with friends and it's just about relationships and it kind of veers off and, and doesn't add up to much. And we thought, well, what if we made a movie that seemed like that? But actually underneath was this immaculately planned funhouse of clues and twists and reveals and science and magic and, and themes about identity and just had a, a dense richness underneath this layer that seemed very haphazard and... Uh, you know, that, that arty uh, white people problem movie. Mm-hmm. So that just seemed like a really fun starting point because in a way Twilight Zone does that. You know, they have mm-hmm. these mundane locations sometimes and a small group of people, and but then it gets into this incredible cosmic question. And so we kind of combine those two things, combine the Twilight Zone sensibility and, and really a B movie from the 50s is what we thought we were making. Uh, combined with this very new style of incredibly realistic performances because so much of it is improvised. And and really that's only allowed because this new generation of cameras that you can actually go out and buy. You don't need a a whole camera crew anymore to shoot a film. So that just became this completely uh, exhilarating ride for us. We felt like we were on the cutting edge of something because 
really this has never been done before where you actually improvise your way through something this complex where the, the skeleton of it is, you know, a year of planning a puzzle aspect of it. But the actual shooting is only five days because you're allowing this real-time experience to unfold. Well, that's, that's, that actually brings up uh, a good point because if, my next question was involving the performances. So one of the things that impressed me the most about this film, other than the ridiculously complicated plot that I loved, uh, were the performances. They feel incredibly natural. And I did read that much of the film is improvised. I was wondering if you could just kind of take us through the process of how you decided to do that and, and how much of it is improvised. And was it like the, the conversations between the characters? Did you have it mapped out? Yeah, think of it like a fun house where there's room after room where there's only one door in and one door out. And so there's only one path through the fun house. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's going to happen in each room. You don't know if it's going to be funny mirrors or if something's going to jump out and scare you or if you're going to get lost in the dark. But the designer of the funhouse knows how you're going to go through, and he knows how you're probably going to react to these things, and he can build an experience. So you don't need a script to get yourself through that. You're still going to go a very specific narrative path through the funhouse. Um, but what you do within each little room is up to you, and that's how we thought of it. So what the actor, actors actually say is up to them. And, and we said, be as natural as, as you can. I don't want any false moments in the whole thing. You know, you're playing versions of yourselves, or you're playing sort of uh, alternate, exaggerated uh, uh, iterations of, of your personalities here. But don't, don't give us any false notes. If something scares you, be scared. If you can't hear something, say what? If someone is annoying you, you know, just go with whatever instinct you've got in the moment because we're going to get you through the next door. We're, we know where the next room is. And that was, a, that, again, part of the experiment I've always wanted to try where we get rid of this script, you know, that's so, scripts are so efficient today that they don't talk, they don't sound like people talking. People don't talk like that. Right, and yeah. I wanted the messiness of, of human interaction overlapping dialogue of repeated phrases and confusion. And it's great because that's that's what made this film work. I mean, it was a low-budget science fiction movie, which a, a lot of times those don't necessarily work. I think I can think of a handful off the top of my head, like Primer, where a, a low-budget science fiction movie actually works. And I think that one of the big things that makes Coherence work is the fact that everything just feels real and it, it feels yeah. very natural um, yeah that's nice to hear because that was the whole goal when you were kind of mapping out the the different realities and the different uh elements of the the structure of this film did did your previous work as a storyboard artist help with kind of figuring out how this all pieces together no the storyboarding helps just because i've had so many years of having to come up with interesting compositions in the moment. So the storyboarding mm-hmm. helped in the actual shooting of the movie because I have to improvise just as much as the actors. You know, my, my DP, Nick Sadler, who was a lifesaver on this, he, he and I shot the movie together. So we're the only crew in there with the actors. There's no grips, there's no gaffers, there's no electricians, there's no help of any kind. It's just Nick and I. And we have to instantly compose a shot based on whatever the actors are doing. We told them, you guys go anywhere in the house you need to go. If you need to go to the kitchen, go. If you don't want to go to the bathroom, go. We'll follow you. We're not going to block anything. We're not going to rehearse anything. 
And so I think the storyboarding background really helped with just figuring out where the camera should be. And if I would see Nick doing something, I could calculate, all right, well, if he's shooting that, where should my camera probably be in order to have an, you know, an editable shot here? The, the way that you shoot it, it's a very intimate feeling um, movie where the, there's a lot of really close, close in shots. It looks like you used almost all handheld work. Is, is that how you filmed yep. it? Yeah, exactly. It's it was the only way um, when you're doing this type of thing because you're not rehearsing. You have to. Uh, you can't plan any shots. You're just responding to what they're doing. So it has to be handheld. That's that's crazy. I mean, I just <laughs> it was crazy. I don't recommend. I mean, it, when I'm watching the film, I was just like, this is. It's a complete mind fuck. Really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you're going through it, you're just like, okay this person is not this person. And then like, I don't want to give away too much of what happens in the movie, but it, it just gets so complex. It, it's right. incredible to me that you were somehow able to kind of put this all together on the fly. Well, again, it's a year of planning that puzzle. You know, Alex Manui and I took a year of really pounding out uh, beat by beat what has to happen to the characters and even down to, you know, the complexities of, saying, well, at this point, they, need, they do need to go into the kitchen to talk about the ketamine because Hugh and Amir need to be alone in the living room to have this moment together. So all of those things were planned. The actors just had no idea that we were um, uh, controlling it. They thought they so were. So you were kind of like, you know, pulling the strings behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, we were, control- we, were, we were making them feel like they were making those choices themselves. They, they were making those choices themselves. They were just making choices that we needed them to make. One of the things that I noticed was uh, there was a conversation at the dinner table and Nicholas Brendan's characters, Mike, talks about how he was on the show Roswell, but in reality, he was on the show Buffy. Was that was that a little kind of uh, throwaway thing that in this reality he picked Roswell over Buffy? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably 50 things like that in the movie, mm-hmm. but that was the most noticeable because he's you know, famous in that world. So that was a fun, uh, very planned element. The whole movie is that. that that's part of the, the fun of the movie is little things that contradict themselves. Um, you know, the, there, there's one line in the movie that's the skeleton key for the whole movie. And it's when Amir says, um, we're not splitting up. We're just going in two different groups. Mm-hmm. And if you sort of, gr- <laughs> if you get that absurdity, if you get that, joke and and what that is a reflection of and and how many movies you know have have made uh that moment and and had terrible choices made by people um but the humor that we took in that and and the, the roswell thing all of those add up to a very specific tone that will help someone enjoy the movie so someone the whole point was to make something that seemed random and seemed just sort of shot on the fly Mm -hmm. um but that underneath had this very intensely designed structure to it and a a puzzle that took you know months and months and months to figure out and so that just on multiple viewing viewings the the audience can get something new yeah that's exactly what i was just going to say when we reviewed this on the the podcast last week we said that this is the type of movie where after you finish watching it you can go back and watch it again and you find even more clues because, you know, the first go through, you, you, you see little things like, um, 
the mentioning of the the plant that she likes the plant and the broken glass on the table and just little things like that but when you go back after you finish it and you know really what's going on you go back and watch it again you find even so much more of this that's right it, the whole goal was to create a, a game movie in a way all those are puzzle pieces and imagine watching someone play monopoly the first time and you're dazzled by it, but you don't know what you're looking at. You don't know what the little boot going around the squares <laughs> means and what, what the money exchange means. Why are there little houses? But once you see a game, you kind of get it. And so now you can watch it again and become much more of a participant, and you know what all those things mean. And it's much more enjoyable when you know what <laughs> Monopoly means, what all those pieces mean. So we're, we have people who have seen it six times that say, finally, they're starting to feel like <laughs> they understand what all the all the pieces mean and it's so satisfying were there any elements or like separate realities or anything like that that you ended that you originally planned to have in but ended up for whatever reason not filming like any any crazy realities where they all just like murder each other we we shot you know she goes at the end she 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 goes through a series of of worlds Mm -hmm. and we shot many many versions of those so i'm not going to say what it is i'm not going to give away too much on this but let me just say that some of those got very bizarre (laughs) and maybe someday we'll dig those up for the the dvd yeah that's that's what i said in my original review i was like i wonder if she happened upon like a reality where everybody's just having sex with each other they all took the ketamine and (laughs) it's just a giant orgy right right being that this was such a small film with a little budget, do you plan on, would you like to make more films like this in the future? Are you going to be looking at doing a, a mixture, like a one for them, one for me type of thing in the future? I hope they're all for me, but I would <laughs> say <laughs> they're all for them too. You know, the mm-hmm. them is the audience. The them is not the money. You know, the, the them... W- from the beginning, we said, let's make a movie that's for the audience. And it might be a little too fast for some people. It might be a little dense for some people. But we're going to trust that there's this kind of layer of smart, super movie fans that, that can handle it. So all the movies are going to be for them because that, then they're for us, too. Um, we're not going to worry about the money too much. I don't think I could ever sign on just, just to make a movie for the money. Um, I think that would be hellish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, a lot of people do it. Well, best of luck with Coherence. I hope everybody sees it. And it is playing in select cities now. And I think that it's going to be on Video On Demand in August. Is that correct? I sure hope so. That's what I hear. Um, we are in at least 13 cities right now. You can go to CoherenceTheMovie.com to see what cities are popping up. And we also have this amazing thing where we partnered with Gathered. Dot us, which is an online tool that allows anybody across the nation, it doesn't matter what town you in, you're in, as long as there's a movie theater there, if, if you get some people to sort of pre-buy tickets with you, you can trigger the movie to come to you. Oh, so yeah. Coherence could come, if you live in the middle of Kansas, uh, you can round up some friends and the movie will come to you. Oh, there you have it. So go to, what is it, gather.us? Uh, just go to CoherenceTheMovie.com and, and go to the page that's about see the film and request a screening, and it will explain all about it. But Great. It's a very exciting. It's a little like Kickstarter, I think, that you know, uses crowdsourcing. You don't get charged until unless the movie actually happens. Yeah, I think that there's a, a couple companies out there that do that. I think it's a great way to get smaller films like this out there. So. 
it's amazing. It's so empowering for the for the fans, you know. It's suddenly yeah. they can control it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for taking some time to speak with me. Adam, thank you so much. Thanks again, James. Be sure to check out Coherence if it's playing in your area and go to coherencethemovie.com for more information. Let's get into some of what we've been watching. I'll kick it off this week, Kevin. Now, you you don't have anything this week, is that right? Other I was gonna, the I two. Was, I was going to say World Cup. Yeah. That's all I got. Same here. I only have two uh, that I want to mention. The first is a film called Art as a Weapon. This is a documentary. It's not out yet. I'm not sure when this is coming out. We This is a film that was submitted to us. Uh, so basically it's about street art, this the street art movement in Burma and how this is kind of affecting things over there and helping promote democracy in a nonviolent way yeah. over in Burma. And th- th- I love art documentaries. I love documentaries that, that look at different types of art and different concepts and people. And the most important thing to me about documentaries that deal with art is the look. You know, I feel like a movie that is about art should have its own unique visual style in that the film itself should be a reflection of the art that's represented on the screen. Yeah. And this film does that perfectly. This is probably the best looking documentary I've seen all year. Oh, nice. I love street art. I'm a huge fan of graffiti culture. I love, you know, the the newer techniques that they're using with like wheat paste and stenciling. I like all that too. Yeah. And this film is really interesting because it's it's almost presented as a case study because we have tons of street art here in the United States. And one of the too main much. subjects <laughs> too much one of the main subjects of this film is Shepard Fairey. And too much. And the thing about street art here in the United States is you really can't see its impact. You know what I mean? Like you see it everywhere. It's beautiful. It looks great. But as a social commentary, there's not much that you can say, oh, yeah, like that, uh, the Obey graphic is that's that's really making a change here. You know, you can't really see that. However, in Burma, because of just how the 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 tension the tensions are rising over there with the government, this tyrannical government that they have in place, it it's like you can see it, like it is making a tangible difference over there, and I find that to be just completely fascinating. Yeah. And the film, so like I said, it follows Shepard Fairey as he does like some volunteer work over there uh, creating pieces and and stuff like that and commissioning pieces on the sides of buildings and what have you Uh, but it also follows this school that it's it's an art school over there and the teacher uh, teaches a street art class yeah which is really interesting I hope that they start doing that well maybe they are maybe there are some schools that teach that here but i hope we see more of that because i think that it's i I mean i love street art and i think that it's something that deserves to have a a school to be you know for students to be taught this style yeah 
So it follows these uh, kids as they learn all about street art, uh, not just the techniques, you know, with stenciling, graffiti, wheat paste, all the different techniques, but they also learn kind of the the, the philosophies of it and the the uh, like the social implications that this movement can have. And it's just a really, really interesting documentary. I highly recommend it. The music is really good, too. It, ha- it has this kind of blend of, uh, like, hip-hop beats and some electronic stuff in there. Really, really good score. And the, the film is just gorgeous. I mean, not just the art that they show in the movie, but, I mean, it's just all of the shots. The cinematography is incredible. Highly recommend it. It's a short film. It's only, like, 75 minutes long. And I actually was left wanting more. Like I wanted to, I wanted more of this. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Jeff Durkin, by the way. That sounds pretty good. And it's also interesting because there's this kind of heightened sense of danger when you're talking about street art in Burma as opposed to the United States. You know, in, in the United States, if you get caught tagging a building, you get a slap on the wrist and maybe a fine. But yeah. over there you get thrown in prison and tortured yeah a little more the stakes are a little bit higher yeah yeah but uh definitely recommend this i hope that it does get a release at some point i know that this was a kickstarter backed film as well oh okay Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. interesting yeah art as a weapon highly recommend it uh and then the the only other one that i saw was a, a film called perfect blue no, I'm sure. I, I'm, yeah, I've been wanting to see this yeah. for a long time. Same here. I'm sure Th- this is uh, the it's an anime film from 1997, directed by Satoshi Khan. Now, this is the guy who did I. It's definitely one of my favorite anime series, and I'm thinking it's probably one of yours, Paranoia Agent. Do you remember that series? I do not. You don't remember Paranoia Agent? No. Should yeah. I? I think you should know it because I'm pretty sure when I was watching it, you were watching it too. It was about the the kid that rode around on the he had rollerblades and he rode around and hit hit people with bats and it like changed their lives forever. <laughs> I want to now. That's oh dude, awesome. if you I, I thought for sure you saw Paranoia Agent. I it's like it was it, By far, one of my favorite anime series. It might be of one of those time. things that I feel like if I started watching it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, it had a really great intro where it was just like people laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to get on that. I don't know if it's on Netflix or whatever, but it's it's not a uh, like one of these hundred plus episode series. It's just like a little mini series. So you can breeze through it. Easily, but I think that you will love Paranoia Agent. Yeah, I'm going to get on that. So, Perfect Blue plays out sort of like uh, Noir, in a way. It's about a, a girl who, she's a singer in a pop group, and she decides to leave that career behind and pursue a career of acting. And some weird stuff starts to happen in her life, and she starts having these weird hallucinations, and she also finds that there's someone stalking her and we never really know it's one of these kind of mindfuck movies where you never really know what's real and what's not because 
some of the scenes that we see in the movie are her acting in a show that she's on, like yeah. a, a cop show. So it really blurs the lines between reality and, and this kind of nightmare world. And I really liked it. It was it was really good. The, the animation is, for me, it was kind of... Um, there were there were certain aspects of it that were really good, like certain scenes looked really vivid and detailed, and in other scenes just felt kind of generic. Uh, there was like a scene in particular where she's falling down a flight of stairs, and it just looked so real, and uh, she was just uh, the animation was just so fully articulated that it looked really good. But I wouldn't say it's on the same level as something like Akira or uh, or a uh, Studio Ghibli film or anything like that. But it's uh, it's also very dark. It's very violent. It's very disturbing film. Yeah, it seems like it would be very disturbing. Yeah, there's there's this there's a rape scene in it that it's it's not real, but it looks real, and it's still very very disturbing to get through. I can imagine. Like because her character on this show that she's in gets gets raped at one point and. It was uh, it was a very odd scene, but still very difficult to get through. But I do recommend it if you haven't seen it yet. Perfect Blue. I think it came out in the United States in '99, but originally it came out in '97. It was also interesting because the stalker that she has uh, creates a blog and poses as her on this blog, and it was you know this was '97, so this is like early days of the internet so like (laughs) the character doesn't really know how to use the internet she doesn't have a computer and like her one of her roommates gets her a computer and teaches her how to get on the internet it's just (laughs) it was just kind of interesting to see certainly a little little time travel yeah yeah but back early days of the internet still recommend it very uh very interesting film and it is one of these kind of head scratchers where you're just like, wait a minute, what is real and what is not? <laughs> Has a really stupid uh, ending too, like oh, the no. uh, not not the actual like what happens, but just like the final line of dialogue at the end is oh, like laughably bad. I don't know why they included it, but other than that, great is, movie. Do they say the title of the movie? <laughs> no, but that'd be funny. <laughs> Perfect blue. What color is that? Perfect blue. And credits. <laughs> uh, all right. Shall we get into They Came Together? Want to hit that one first? Let's hit it. All right. So the first movie we're going to be talking about today is They Came Together. This is directed by David Wayne, and it's written by Michael Showalter and David Wayne. I have a synopsis here. When Joel and Molly meet, it's hate at first sight. (laughs) His big corporate candy company threatens to shut down her quirky indie shop. Plus, Joel is hung up on his sexy ex. But amazingly, they fall in love until they break up two-thirds of the way through, and Molly starts dating her accountant. But then right at the end, well, you'll just have to see. Hint, Joel makes a big speech and they get back together. So this stars Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler, but there are a shitload of people Tons. in this movie. Tons. We got Kobe Smulders, Christopher Maloney, Max Greenfield, Bill Hader, Ellie Kemper, Jason Manzukas, 
uh, Melanie Linsky, who we'll be coming back to in our next review. Ed Helms, Michael Ian Black, Keenan Thompson, Jack McBriar, Ken Marino, probably some other ones that I'm missing. Michael Shannon. Oh, yeah, Michael <laughs> Shannon. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. That was a surprise. I don't know if that's like a spoiler or not. No, I guess not. So I actually wrote a review for this. I didn't post it yet. I'll probably post it up after we record this. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of They Came Together? Oh, my. Um, <laughs> it was it was rough to get into at first because, you know, they go through the whole, like, it's so self-aware at the beginning about like how they're going to go through the formula mm-hmm. of uh, the romantic comedy genre. And then... Once it finally gets through that, it starts to pick up a little bit. And then, for whatever reason, for me, it just kind of fell apart. And just, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It just, it didn't work for me in a lot of well, areas. Uh, yeah, it didn't work for me either. And I, I say that with a heavy heart because I'm a big fan of David Wayne. Wet Hot American Summer is one of my all-time favorite comedies. I love it. I can rewatch it a million times. And this is very close to Wet Hot American Summer in that it's spoofing another oh, genre of film. Oh, they're goofing and spoofing. Like oh, crazy. they're goofing and spoofing all over the place. But the, uh, the problem is the, the difference between They Came Together and Wet Hot American Summer is Wet Hot American Summer was like a, like that type of film. Like it was that genre and yeah, they were goofing and spoofing it, but like they took it seriously. Right. This one, it just, it looks like they're trying way too fucking hard. Yeah, it wasn't as kind of self-referential as this one is. It wasn't, it wasn't giving as, as many winks and nods to the camera as yeah. this one was. This, it was too on the nose, too direct. Like, it, and, the fact that they're doing, like, the voiceover and, you know, pointing stuff out was just really irritating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was very, it grated on my nerves. I just wanted them to shut up. The problem, I think one of the big problems is that it is so, it is mimicking a romantic comedy so much that it just ends up feeling like a goofy romantic comedy. Yeah, but. And I don't, I don't like romantic comedies. So it's like, it's, it's really, it's a tricky movie. When I was writing the review for this, it was a tricky review to write because it is, it's formulaic on purpose you know it's supposed to be that way but at the same time it wasn't working for me at all like i i didn't find it that funny i think that there are moments that were really funny but for the most part it felt really disjointed to me it felt like it was kind of just there would be something funny that would happen but then it would we would move on so quickly that it doesn't give you any time to sink in and then they're just like immediately going into the next joke or the ramp up to the next joke. Yeah, and, and, and if, the next bit, and then some of the bits play out entirely too long. It feels a lot like, um, like a Saturday Night Live skit. Right, and that's where, exactly like, what the, I was just gonna say. Where the, where the premise is like, it's a pretty good premise, but it just goes on for entirely too long. Yeah, it, it felt like a series of disjointed sketches from SNL like because it it seemed like David Wayne and Michael Showalter were so concerned about putting in this piece from you know this romantic comedy or this trope or whatever 
that the story of this movie never really felt cohesive and the characters were never really that interesting either. Like that was one thing in Wet Hot American Summer, all of the characters were unique and they were all funny in their own way and they had they all had their own personalities and I could really latch on to a lot of the characters in Wet Hot American Summer whereas in this movie they were all just, you know, flat and generic. And again, maybe that was the point. Maybe yeah. the whole point of this movie was to not be good. Good. <laughs> well, they succeeded. Yeah. Well, I think that the big thing about it is that it's not that funny. Like no. t- at least to me, it wasn't that funny. And that's that's kind of where this movie falls short is that a lot of the jokes just didn't land. They were just a little too stupid. Oh, some of them are for just, me. The, like the the waiter with you know, mm-hmm. well he has a pull up his ass, and then he does. Oh, oh, oh man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he walks around with the pole sticking out of his ass. I, I didn't. Yeah, I that's didn't hilarious. find that. I didn't find that funny. Uh, the Christopher Maloney pants shitting scene. Uh, was it was funny but it just dragged it was just a little yeah. bit you know too too long the, i did enjoy that actually a little bit i just loved his new his new costume how he's <laughs> just sitting there in the robe it's like i'm about to take a shower guy i the for some reason and and i don't know if you laughed at this but the the scene that made me laugh the most was just the the conversation that Paul Rudd had with the bartender where he kept repeating, they just kept repeating everything over and over and over again. That was the thing I hated the most. Yeah. See, for some reason, and normally I hate it when they do that, you know, like the who's on first joke. But for some reason that just made me, I think the, cause at first I didn't laugh at it, but the fact that they kept doing it for like five minutes and it was like entirely too long. It broke you down. Yeah, it broke me down. And, you and the just other had thing, because well, you had to laugh to keep yourself from killing yourself. Probably. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. And there was another little scene. It was towards the end of the movie. Paul Rudd gets into a cab, and it turns out that, that his brother is driving the cab. And they cut back to Paul Rudd, and he does this like funny facial expression that that really made me laugh. But those <laughs> are like the two. I think those were like the two biggest laughs I got out of the whole fucking movie. Yeah, I didn't. The only I'm trying to think would I already forget like half of this film and I watched it yesterday. Yeah, same here. The only it is yeah, it's very forgettable. Unfortunately, <laughs> it is forgettable. Um, I think the thing really made me laugh again was the Christopher Maloney. I just loved when he, you know, he had the new costume on and when he was trying to like break down what happened in the bathroom. Mm. Just him trying to sell that for whatever reason made me laugh. And the fact that he did sell it, and they were trying to figure out who it was. And just uh, anytime that they were trying to say something, and and uh, like Paul Rudd, when they're talking, Amy Poehler's like trying to get out the, let's go have food, or let's go get coffee, or whatever it is. And she keeps flubbing the line, just over and over and over again. And how he just like interjects, like, what the fuck are you trying to say? Oh yeah, that was that was funny. <laughs> those those things gave me little chuckles here and there, and the only other thing that I really enjoyed was fiction books. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but just calling them fiction books 
is just the funniest thing to me for some reason. And I think maybe maybe that's another thing that another reason that I liked Wet Hot American Summer more was because the thing that I find funny about that movie isn't the the visual gags and the the kind of spoof type stuff. It's the dialogue. It's it's the the ridiculous things those characters say and I don't feel like there were that many moments in this movie no. where they say things that are just you know just ridiculous like in Wet Hot American Summer almost every line was funny like when he just when Paul Rudd looks at the at uh, Elizabeth Banks and he's just like get barbecue sauce all over your face just the, <laughs> even little lines like that I thought were so funny in that movie uh. and just and also I was expecting this movie to get kind of dark, you know, like kind of kind of go overboard because it seems like a romantic comedy is perfect fodder for that, you know, to to make things get really dark. And he didn't really go there with it. Like in Wet Hot American Summer, there's at least one scene like when they go into town, you know, and you're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I mean, John Stamos shows up for a little bit. That was funny. That was funny. That joke, though, where they make it look like a music video, they just did that in Think Like a Man 2. They did the exact same thing in Think Like a Man 2. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't see Think Like a Man 2, but I just heard about that scene. Wow. Wow. But Michael Shannon shows up with a sword. And and that didn't even make me laugh. I was like, oh, it's Michael Shannon. That's funny. But then that, that was yeah. it. Yeah, you know? exactly. It was like a quick, eh. It was just like when Stamos, although the second time they put John Stamos' name on the screen, I laughed. I don't, how, they, how they did it twice. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. But just seeing Stamos' face with the words John Stamos underneath just makes and me chuckle. house in parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just unfortunate. Like, it, this movie got so close to... To, to hitting the mark but it just it missed it like i don't know just the jokes weren't that funny and there's a lot of really funny really talented people in this movie but i feel like that they were almost all of them were underutilized yeah like most of them were barely in it at all and even even when the like christopher maloney was i mean he's a really funny guy you don't think of him as a comedic actor but He's very funny. Uh, yeah, I love the way David Wayne uses Maloney. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that he always plays the weirdest character. Yeah, I, I love absolutely it. love it. I love it. I thought that Max Greenfield was funny. He plays Paul Rudd's brother. I thought that most of his lines were really funny just because of how he, like his character, he just overacted everything. Yeah, and I thought that that was really funny because... Most of the other characters didn't do that. Most of them kind of played it straight. So I thought that he, he was funny. And I, and I liked the kind of passive-aggressive style of uh, Bill Hader and Ellie Kemper, their their relationship, where where Bill Hader was clearly, like, wanted to kill himself because of this relationship. Uh, yeah, and he would always say something and then follow it up with, a, oh, I'm just joking. Yeah, I thought that was funny and... Jason Manzoukas, I think that he's always funny. He can, just him sitting at a table yeah, can be just funny. Him existing, yeah, it's funny for some reason. 
I think it's the face. His face is funny. He's just a funny guy. Uh, Michael Ian Black, not not that funny in it. Uh, I just wish, I wish it was better. <laughs> I was I wanted it to be so much better than what it was, and it wasn't. And I was really disappointed. It's just oh, so much wasted talent here. And they kept getting stuck in these little K holes of like unfunny, like all the unfunny jokes seem to last forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I did. I one other thing that I remembered was the cheeseburger trick, magic yeah, trick. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I don't know why. Just pulling a cheeseburger out of thin air is funny. I wish I could do that. I wish I could Me just too. pull cheeseburgers out. Can't. I mean, they they really they really do nail the whole romantic comedy formula though i mean no oh, that's yeah. that's one thing you can say like they hit the nail on the head with that but then again it's not that difficult you just watch like 10 romantic comedies they're all the same you write down the formula then you make fun of it yeah and the, the problem was that they just didn't make fun of it very <laughs> well very, enough. <laughs> very well <laughs> yeah so i think that maybe maybe upon a second or third viewing this could be a film that that grows on me over time. Yeah, David Wayne's movies seem to have that effect where maybe the first time you see it doesn't really doesn't really hit, but then later, and it could be. But for now, it's uh, it's just kind of unfortunate. It's just a, a wasted opportunity. Truly is. Truly All right. is. Any final thoughts on they came together? <clears throat> No. Nope. Nope. What are you going to give it out of 10? Mm, like a 5? Well, that's what I gave it. I gave uh, it a 5. Uh, it was a, like I said before, it's a tough one to give a score to because it, it's kind of intentionally bad, you know? Yeah, but there's a difference between intentionally bad and funny and intentionally bad and just bad. And see, that's <laughs> that's why I ended up giving it a five because it i feel like the the comedy just didn't really work no. for me i mean it works and it doesn't more often than not it doesn't but the, the problem for me which i hate these types of movies for this reason is like they don't elicit any feelings from me at all i'm just sort of like meh like i really don't have that much to say about it like i just i don't care like i said you know i watched it yesterday pretty much have forgotten most of it mm-hmm. yeah i agree uh speaking of movies that i don't have a lot to say about let's move on to our next film happy christmas <laughs> this is written and directed by joe swanberg who i'm also uh i would say that i'm a fan of joe swanberg's work i've liked most of his movies and i've seen quite a few of them at this point uh, so this, uh, I have a synopsis here. Irresponsible 20-something Jenny arrives in Chicago to live with her older brother Jeff, a young filmmaker living a happy existence with his novelist wife Kelly and their two-year-old son. Jenny's arrival shakes up their quiet domesticity as she and her friend Carson instigate an evolution in Kelly's life and career. Meanwhile, Jenny strikes up a rocky relationship with the family's babysitter, Kumpot Dealer. All right. That's... That is a hell of a synopsis. So... And oddly enough, that actually, like, encompasses the entire movie. Yeah. So, 
I thought that Happy Christmas, I would describe it as a cute film. I thought it was cute, but there just isn't a whole lot of meat. There's nothing to this. Yeah, there's just not a lot going on in this movie. It, It almost feels like a short film because there's no... I guess it's not a spoiler or anything. There's, there's no real. You can't, pre- you can't spoil. It. There's nothing. <laughs> nothing happens. There's no. There's no resolution. There's no even serious conflict. I mean, the 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 most major conflict occurs in the trailer. So it's not like what what was in the trailer. The the food burning. Oh, where she tries to drunk make a pizza. Yeah. You never make pizza drunk. As soon as no. she busted that out, I was like, mm, that's not going to end well. Yeah, and I, I knew it was going to happen because I saw that. I feel like I saw the whole movie in the trailer, really. You probably did. I didn't see the trailer, but you probably did. I mean, you pretty much described the entire movie in the synopsis. So. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was funny. There were There were several moments that made me laugh. I thought that Lena Dunham was good in this. I did. But, I thoroughly enjoyed when it was Lena Dunham, Anna Kendrick, and Melanie Basinski just sitting around and discussing her Fifty Shades of Grey knockoff. Uh-huh. Like I could have just watched that all day. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Just them riffing on that idea, and then Swanberg would show up, and I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> Sucks the life right out. <laughs> yeah, damn it, Swanberg. <laughs> But I, 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 I do have to point out that I think that this was probably his best acting. Um, well, I think this is the best acting I've, I've ever seen out of Joe Swanberg. Yeah, I did, I'd, I'd I did, say. I'd I, say. I wasn't punching my, my screen every time he acted. So. I thought that uh, I thought that he was good in your next. I, I know you haven't seen yeah, that one, but he that. was he was good in that one. Yeah, but the other thing that was the biggest. Uh, Probably the biggest con to this movie is, you know, Swanberg has his improvising style that he does. And while it really, really, really worked in Drinking Buddies, and it seemed like everyone had a blast with it, here it seems like it was a huge detriment to Anna Kendrick because yeah. she could not get out like one she, full sentence the yeah. entire movie. It's, it's just seen- stammering after stammering and so many uhs and like. And it was just driving me crazy. Yeah, it seemed like she was kind of struggling through it with that in this one. Like, uh, I just, the scene, like, when he's showing her around the basement and stuff, just some of that felt pretty brutal to me. Yeah. I did love, I think all of this, the the best performance in this entire movie was Joe Swanberg's son. I thought that he was fantastic. I loved every scene with that kid. I just, he was so adorable and funny. He was hilarious. He just, he had so much personality. I just, I loved all the stuff with the kid. It was, it was quite good. And that's it. That's, that's all we got. (laughs) I thought the the cinematography I thought was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty typical. Yeah. It's not like ground handheld. it, It felt, it felt like it was made on a budget and I like I like movies like this that are that have kind of a documentary low budget feel to them, but have actually good actors like talented people. Mm-hmm. I like that. The soundtrack is amazing as well. 
Yeah, the soundtrack is really good, and that's not. I mean, tip, typically, I don't think too much of the soundtracks of his movies. I did like the Drinking Buddies soundtrack as well, so yeah. maybe that's maybe I, that's something that's that's happening. Yeah, the outside of that though, unfortunately, they really because I kept thinking like, where are they going with this? Yeah, well, that's that's what the problem. You know, doing? I thought I, I thought know. it was gonna be a movie where. You know, it was, a, it was a comedy, but I thought that it was going to take kind of a dark turn and she was going to hit rock bottom and then they were going to have to work through their shit. And then, like, you know, Mark Webber was going to come and straighten her out and all this stuff. But none of that happens. And it's just it just ends and you're just like, OK, well, there was no resolution whatsoever. Everything is still completely up in the air. And I felt like it was just such a small slice of these people's lives you know it was like well yeah that's exactly what it felt like it felt like it was like all right we're gonna you know film this little slice of life drama and this is their lives for like what five days yeah in and around christmas where not much really happens yeah and i think the title of happy christmas is it's a terrible, a little, terrible, a little title. misleading. It's not a Christmas movie whatsoever. I had a feeling that it wasn't because it didn't seem like it was being marketed as as no. such. But I think that the title alone, it's not very good. To me, that's the, I, honestly one of the worst titles. And ever. and really, like they make it out to be that. Anna Kendrick is just this like raging alcoholic. Like she's got serious problems. Like she is just bringing this whole family down, but that's not really what happens. She burned a fucking pizza. She burned a pizza. I mean, if anything, because the way that they're billing it, it's like, Oh, well, you know, she's kind of like one of these, she's, she's just a whirlwind of chaos that, that she fucks with everybody's lives, you know, when she's around, but it seems to me like she was kind of making everybody better, you know, like she's cheering everybody up. Yeah, she was making making her brother feel happy, and she was helping. Um, what's 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 her character's name? Kelly. She was helping Kelly get back into writing, and it was just. It seemed like she wasn't, you know, this. Yeah, uh, she, this like like we said, she burned a pizza. And who hasn't done that before? And she forgot to babysit the one day. That's it. Because she woke up late. And that's the that's the other thing. Like, I don't know if we were supposed to think of her as being like she, she's becoming an alcoholic or something like that. But you know, she just went through a breakup. You know, she's going through a shitty time. Yeah. So of course she's gonna booze it up a little bit. You gonna you gonna lose yourself. You're gonna lose yourself a little bit. With the booze, the booze in the... In the... <laughs> it's not like she was, like, shooting heroin down in Swanberg's basement. <laughs> no. <laughs> shooting heroin, making money through prostitution. It's, it's nothing like that. She's just smoking some weed, playing on her on her iMac book, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and burning uh, pizzas. That's all she fucking did. Come on, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah, I just I thought that this movie could have used an, another act, like an entire, like a whole other act, <laughs> would have would have probably made this movie feel more complete. Now the interesting thing was is what like as I was watching this the entire runtime, I I didn't really mind it. Like I enjoyed myself. 
Oh yeah, same here. But when again, it ended, I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Did I miss like a huge portion of this movie?" Did it, yeah, did I just zone out at one point and miss <laughs> everything? You fell asleep <laughs> and you woke up, and all of a sudden it was the credits. I did. Yeah. I did enjoy the the way the movie ended. I like the way that it was filmed and everything. Oh sure, yeah, uh, and I the, I also like the the opening intro too, like the title cards and all that stuff. I thought it was great. It looked stylish. It, I just wanted more. I just wanted more to this story because I felt it just, which is which is good because I like I usually do not have that feeling with Swanberg. Like I want less. Right. Yeah. And, and his films are already pretty short, and I just want less films really. But I think this one and Drinking Buddies, he's really, he's he's far more improved than what his films used to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's um, come a long now, way. Yeah. Now, I did see 24 Exposures, which came I out. forgot that he did that. In between there. And I hated that movie. A lot of people like that movie, though. But I thought it was terrible. So, yeah, I think that, I think that like Drinking Buddies, this is an accessible film. I think that it's the easiest to watch out of all of his, uh, with the exception of Drinking Buddies. And I, I really enjoyed this, the 78 minutes that I had with it. I just wanted more. You know, I liked, I liked the characters, um, even like Mark Webber's character, who he didn't really have that much to do in the movie. I like him as an actor, and I, I wanted to see where wanted to know more about him i wanted to see where his life was going what was going on in his world and it just yeah fell fell short yeah a little bit a little bit i don't know it's kind of it's interesting that i enjoyed it so much even though you know as i'm discussing it can't really put a finger on anything that i enjoyed outside of the you know the soundtrack maybe i liked a lot of the maybe i liked a lot of the dialogue i liked a lot of the the, uh, I thought, again, I thought Lena Dunham was really funny. I think that she's good in pretty much everything she's in, just because I think that she's just a funny person. Yeah, you know, I enjoyed it, but <clears throat> I don't know how much of this I'm going to really remember. Watch the two forgettable movies. Yeah, same here. And I was really excited about both of them, too. Like, really excited. And uh, it didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, Happy Christmas was good. I just, it didn't feel like it was a complete movie to me. It felt like there was... Missing something. Yeah, it was just missing. It was missing part of the whole movie. <laughs> There's a whole part of this movie that's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Where is it? I don't know. I, I want it. I want it. It'd be funny if, like, he did that on purpose. Like, at Swanberg's house, he has all of the missing pieces to all of his movies, and only he can see them. <laughs> And then at some point, like, on his deathbed, he'll release all of them. And he'll That'd be, be like, interesting. Here's all the missing parts to my 874 movies. They were actually all three hours long. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I'd be able to take three hours of Happy Christmas. but <laughs> Well, the, you know, he only gave you the 78 minutes where nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that he's holding on to, all sorts of shit goes down. Hmm. She like gets, Anna, Ken- Anna Kendrick kills the child. <laughs> yeah, through neglect because she's doing heroin, and then it turns into this whole thing. And then there's people after Mark Weber because he skimps 
on some drugs and it, i mean there's this there's this whole thing going on mm-hmm. i think there's aliens <laughs> at one point i mean it's crazy any final thoughts on happy christmas uh another eh, eh. i'm gonna give <laughs> happy i'm gonna give happy christmas a uh i don't know i'll give it a six that's fine i'm going with six too i think we've been the same on like every movie yeah we've been on we've been on the same page it's crazy recently yeah all right well there you have it happy christmas and they came together both playing on video on demand right now so check them out or don't (laughs) i do i feel bad because like let's be honest those weren't two really good discussions about the film about those two films but there's just not much to fucking say about them that's the thing like there's really not much to say about either of those movies it's hard to go in depth when there really is no (laughs) depth to the film to the the films themselves it just it, it drives me crazy i think of the two happy christmas is is the one that you should be checking out this weekend yeah i would agree yeah but i don't know i mean they came together with that was that was really brutal at times that was really tough to get through well like that whole opening like 15 minutes i that was torture but that's you know that's it's getting pretty good reviews i think that some people will really find it funny Oh yeah, and really oh, yeah. enjoy it, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't for me. Oh, that's what you know. Comedies are tough because yeah. it's all a matter of taste. It's what you find funny. And I also, th- I also think it's funny because looking back at David Wayne's stuff, I, I haven't really liked anything he's done <laughs> since Wet Hot American Summer, and yet I still, anytime I see him. You know that that he's coming out with a new movie. I immediately get excited. It's because what Hot American Summer was that good. Yeah, it's like when when am I gonna when am I gonna be like okay? Now I'm gonna be a little hesitant about. His well, next time a, mo- a movie comes of his that comes out, instead of thinking, "Oh, Wet Hot American Summer," think like the Ten. Yeah, Wonderlust. Yeah, think of I the, did. Think I of- did really like Role Models though so think of that movie instead yeah he's kind of one of the key figures in children's hospital too which i love that show took me a while to get into it but once i did it's pretty genius how that show works so i haven't seen that in a long time it gets really good like i said it took me a while to get into it the first season uh, was a little rocky but once it found its footing it's it's a lot smarter than it makes itself out to be. I do enjoy the Wet Hot American Summers where Bradley Cooper got a start. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think that's pretty interesting. All right. Let's move on and talk about some predictions. Last week, we said uh, Transformers Age of Extinction. You said 36. I said 45. Actual 17. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was going to want to talk to you. Late last week, I was like, I think I'm going to have to go see it and review it for the site. And you know what? I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Good. Good. I couldn't. Because it's like, I make a lot of sacrifices for the website. I watch a lot of bad movies just to get 
a review up and for this one i was just like i just can't i just can't do it see that's one of those things that i wish more critics did there's there are some movies out there that just they don't need to be talked about like there's no reason why anyone should be And, and, and really that's what it came down to because i was thinking about it and i was like there's gonna be 150 reviews for transformers age of extinction coming out this week yeah is is mine really gonna make that much of a splash (laughs) is it gonna really make that much of a difference well and the other thing is too i i bet you if you read those 150 reviews they all probably they're probably all the same just like the damn transformers movies probably and it and i'm sure that my review would probably say the same things as all those other ones a big piece of shit and michael bay should just retire yeah and or oh some of the action scenes are pretty cool that's it yeah like the acting's terrible the dialogue's terrible it's three fucking hours long i mean yeah. shit you can write a review for this thing without even watching the <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say that actually i think i could probably still just write a review fuck, for it fucking bang one out no one knows <laughs> oh boy so apparently it's not too good which mm. I don't know how that's going to affect. I didn't see it like the box office numbers, so I don't know how it's doing. In I think theaters. it had the biggest opening of the year. <laughs> I, think it, right. I think it did. I think it made a shit ton yeah. of it. I don't understand. People, people. But you know, that's garbage. why I made it my number one movie of the summer. People fucking love garbage, dude. They love it. It's like, I wonder how many of these Transformers movies have to come out before people are just like, nope. Not gonna, not gonna fall for it this time. I don't, I don't see. That's the thing. I, I want Michael Bay to keep making these, just to see how long this, this will go. I'm just interested to see like how long he can take this, and people will still keep going to see them. Well, it's just like the Resident Evil movies, the Paul W. S. Anderson ones. Yeah, those fuckers have been coming out for the last how many years? We were in high school when the first one came out. And they're still cranking them out. They get ripped to shreds by critics every single time. Yeah. And now, like, I think it's they're on the sixth or seventh one, and they just keep coming out and they keep making money. It's baffling. Just baffling. Sure next is. week we <laughs> next week we have Tammy with Melissa McCarthy. What are you thinking mm-hmm. on Tammy? Tammy. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking like a thirty thirty eight. I'm going to say 36 on Tammy. It just doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh, we also have Earth to Echo. What? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw something for the first time, and I just simply want to know what, what's going on here. With Earth to Echo? Yeah. What's it's, this, what's, it's basically what's a found footage remake of E.T. Okay. That's exactly what it looks like. I'm gonna I, say fifty. I'm gonna say fifty-two because I think there's, there's. Oh my god! There's a fucking countdown on IMDb. <laughs> it's the biggest movie ever. That's what. That's. Uh, that's what I'm so confused. It's there's two days, eight hours, forty-five minutes, and forty-two seconds left until Earth to Echo hits theaters Wednesday. I know. I'm counting it down. I have an wow. alarm on my on my phone. Wow. Does this alien do anything? Yeah, it can like do something with machinery. Like it can make can it machinery 
disassemble and reassemble or something. Oh my god, that's so helpful. It looks really bad. Like the the acting it looks really I, the acting looks pretty terrible and I, I hate to say that about child actors, but Yeah. But and why do I have to make it found footage? Come on. <laughs> just that, that just, right there. Just to piss you off. Yeah, that that's right there perfect. has me tuning out. I'm gonna say what did you say? Fifty fifty two. I you think that 50, that's yeah. generous. I'm gonna go fifty six. Alright. And we also have Deliver Us from Evil. This is the Ooh. Scott Derrickson one with Eric Bana. Uh-huh. Looks very frightening. Supposedly based on a true story as well. Are they, aren't, aren't they always? A lot of times they, they are, always yes. always based on true stories? Well, this, this one's based on a book that was written by the, the police, uh, police officer that Eric Bana plays. Okay. So... Maybe the the movie itself's not based on a true story, but it's based on the true story that that cop said that he was really happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. It's like the Amityville horror, where yeah. it's you could say it's kind of based on a true story, but eh. is it? Is it really? I I am interested in reading the book now though, because it's kind of a mass possession in Brooklyn. Yeah. I'm kind of interested in that. That's kind of crazy. Like, even if it's not, even if they weren't really possessed, clearly something happened to these people. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that kind of interests me. It's like a mass, mass hysteria going on. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I'm hoping that this is good. Oh, what, what are you going to say on this? I'm hoping this is good as well. I'm interested in it because I did, there was uh, numerous parts of Sinister that I thought were amazing. Yeah, I liked Sinister a lot. I didn't like the whole Bagul thing. Bagul. (laughs) Bagul. Ooh, Bagul. I'm going to say like a 77. 70. 70. 70. 70. I'll say 65. 65. Yeah, I think that... I think that Scott Derrickson's... uh, I think that he's a good director. I mean, I think he has some talent. He shows promise. Obviously, Disney sees something in him, or else they wouldn't hire him to do Doctor Strange. But that doesn't make any sense. It does if they make it a horror movie, which I'm really hoping they do. Yeah, but really, uh, it it, it do makes. You think they're going to? No, no. they might. I mean, it'll definitely deal with like dark magic and stuff like that. So I think that it could be within his wheelhouse. Sure. I mean, hopefully, we'll have hopefully, to. Hopefully, it works out. Hopefully yeah, it works I, hope, out. I hope so. Also, in limited release next week, we have Premature Life Itself, which is the Ebert doc. Highly recommend that. And Beyond the Edge. Ooh, Beyond the Edge. Yeah. Uh, three three major releases next week. That is that is something rare. <clears throat> what do we, what do we got going on here? Well, I mean, the ones that I just mentioned: Tammy, Earth yeah. Echo, and Deliver Us from Evil. It's rare that we get three wide-release movies in a week. Yeah, that is true. true. I mean, back in the day, there'd be like five movies that would come out every week. These days, (laughs) it's just the big ones, the big blockbusters that get... Uh, Next week on Video On Demand, we have Mutual Friends. I don't know anything about that. That sounds terrible. Premature, which Ryan and I saw at South By, and I don't recommend it. 
Beyond the Edge and Life Itself. Okay. Again, check out mm-hmm. Life Itself. If you're a, if if you're a movie fan, if you're a cinephile, you owe it to yourself. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense if you don't like movies. <laughs> no, but then again, it doesn't really make sense if you're listening to this and you don't like movies. <laughs> I have a feeling that that's like most of our listenership. Well, they just listen. They just li- they hate movies, and they just listen. I think they I think they just listen to like judge to judge us. To judge us, to judge silently us judge us. Did you ever, did you ever meet somebody? Did you ever talk to somebody that says they don't like movies? Has it have Have um, you ever encountered someone in your life? I, I mean, I've met people that are like indifferent towards movies, where like they, like they don't really watch them at all. Yeah, they'll watch like a couple a year. Yeah, and they know like absolutely nothing about them, and I always find that extremely bizarre. And I automatically don't like you and do not trust you at all if that's the case. It's the same okay. if you ask someone, like, what type of music do you like? And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm not really into music. Because who the fuck's not into music? Like, how, how I do think you it's not even, listen to music? Yeah, but I think it's even more bizarre if you ask somebody, like, oh, what kind of, what kind of movies do you like? And, and the person just says, I don't, I don't really like movies. Like, yeah. That's... I just, uh, there's only one person that I've ever met in my entire life that has said that to me. And it's actually one of my close friends. And to this day, I don't understand his existence, like how he can even what's, be on this earth. What's the point of it? What's he do? What, like, what's he doing? Oh, he's probably like, like out doing stuff and living. I don't think he, I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't think he does that much. <laughs> I don't think he does that much, really. Um, DVD Blu-ray releases, not a whole lot. Next week, we have Afflicted, which is a found footage it's a found footage horror movie that I recommend. Oh, really? I thought you didn't like this one. No, I like this one a lot. Okay. Yeah. This one is something else. This one is solid. It's a solid film. It's probably I think there were like two found footage horror movies that came out this year that I actually liked. But this is by far the best. Okay. I thoroughly uh-huh. enjoyed it. It is super fun. The special effects in it are really really good and it's it's awesome nice so highly recommend that one and we also have the unknown known which is the uh is it alex gibney no errol morris errol morris errol morris yeah documentary about rumsfeld rumsfeld that was okay yo rummy uh any criterions or any other ones i missed no criterions on hiatus for the world cup I guess that's what it is. Probably 4th of July would be my guess as to why there's not too much coming out. I guess that too. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think that that will wrap it up. Be sure to send us your questions to podcast.filmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For FilmPulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches Movies. Okay.